Hello and welcome to the Helios blog. My name is Helios here for another reaction video. Today, Michaela Peterson talks about incels. Let's get into it. The reason she's alone is because she's difficult. Women are not accepting the bare minimum. Women fuck men they respect. All the women who say things like, I'm strong, independent, I don't need no man, like, y'all impress me. Women just gaslight each other and say what they want to hear. Costello, welcome to my podcast. Thanks for having me on. Happy to be here. This should be this should be fun. Before we get started, can you give a brief background about who you are and what it is you do? Okay, so um, last year in 2021, I graduated um, from Brunel University in London with a master's in psychology, culture and evolution. And my dissertation uh, focused on investigating the underlying psychology of incels or involuntary celibates. It was one of the first studies uh, to include primary responses from self-identified incels. Uh, mm. I'm currently here in Austin, Texas as a PhD student at the University of Texas at Austin, where I'm in David Buss's evolutionary psychology lab. Ah. And uh, yeah, that's uh, what my area of expertise so far is incel psychology. So Hopefully that will help with, with the conversation. That that should help with the conversation a lot. And you work with David Buss. That's fun. That's very cool. Uh, okay, so there's a bunch to cover, but we should probably first start off with what exactly is an incel? Right. So uh, incel stands for involuntary celibate, and it's uh, become kind of an online subculture of primarily men um, who kind of form their sense of identity around their perceived inability to form sexual or romantic relationships. They're involuntarily uh, celibate. Yeah, and girls use it as an insult um, with men that they don't like, right? So, like, if you as a man say something that somehow goes against the girl's frame for society, <clears throat> they'll call you an I-word, right? They'll call you that. So, there it is. Uh, a significant minority of incels are very um, misogynistic and online. Uh, they're very hostile online. Uh, but one study, not my own study, found that just 10% of incel accounts are responsible for the vast majority of online hostility. Indeed. Um, mm. An even more rare uh, amount of incels still actually lash out at society in violent rage. And there's some high-profile cases where Individual incels have even gone on to kill people. Most notorious is uh, perhaps Elliot Roger, uh, who wrote a 49-page manifesto talking about how he would have a day of retribution uh, where he would kill Chads and Stacys, who, the, the sexually successful men and women uh, that he was envious of. Um, so he's kind of uh, held up as the prototypical example poster boy incel uh, whenever the media reports on them. Yeah, but as the guy said, that guy is not a representation of the average incel, right? Or the average man that's not able to get laid. In fact, if you look at statistics for online dating, uh, the women are only swiping right on 5% of men, on the top 5%. So to say that all men that can't get girls are violent is utterly ridiculous and obviously not true right? Because there are many men that can't get girls that aren't violent. Okay, uh, let's shill a bit. Hit the like, hit the subscribe. Buy my books at bit.ly slash Helios Books. Go to my Patreon and subscribe, patreon.com slash the Helios blog. 
Drop me a donation like Hunter M, Adrian R, and Tom M. Just click more underneath the video and the links are all there. Okay, shilling is done. Let's continue. Uh, but even globally, worldwide, there's only ever been approximately 60 deaths attributable directly to incel violence. And I don't mean to demean um, any of the victims at all, but but that's relatively low when low. incel violence is talked about as the new terrorist threat that's in right. the media sometimes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if we put that figure of 60 into more context, 10 of those alone can be accounted for by a guy called Alec Manazian. And he's the guy who drove his van into a crowd of people in Toronto. Yeah, uh, I remember that. That was right. scary. Yeah. Yeah. And he he's often held up as front and center as poster boy of the incel movement as well in the media. And um, because he had a, a Facebook post before he did what he did, talking about how he wanted to start an incel rebellion and all hail the supreme gentleman, Elliot Roger. And, uh, you know, the, the beta uprising has begun. That that was his kind of rhetoric. Mm. But yeah, obviously it's BS, right? Like that's that's obviously garbage. You don't often hear what's reported. Uh, what's less often reported is the judge's verdict in the case when they analyzed all the evidence. Uh, the judge said that basically... Uh, they considered that Alec Manazian was completely piggybacking on the incel movement uh, to ratchet up his own notoriety. Uh, he deliberately told lies to depict the killings as being connected to the incel movement. So he was more media. So he was just, um, what's it called? A psychopathic narcissist. Not actually, a, not actually a I-cell, as they, as they call it. Tension. And his story to the police about the attack being an incel rebellion was a lie. So that's directly from the judge in the Alec Manazian case. Oh. You, you don't really hear that uh, talked about that often in the media. No. So was mm-hmm. he was he an incel or? Well, it, it, it's difficult to kind of out. know. He, he certainly seemed to use a lot of uh, incel kind of rhetoric in, in mm-hmm. that initial that that post. But that was the verdict of the judge uh, and and the lawyers closest to the case. Interesting. Okay, mm-hmm. so. What made you decide to kind of base your education around this particular subject? Right. So when I came to look into the topic, uh, which I think is a very interesting one, uh, because the incel uh, culture uh, for me kind of describes where our evolved mate preferences, our evolutionary psychology meets cultural psychology and cultural kind of advances. Uh, So it was very interesting for me on that front. Yeah. What's what's the point? The point is, Evolutionary psychology states that women want winners, right? They choose alphas. They choose men that other men want to be and other women want, other women want to be with, men that are competitive, men that are winners, men that are tall, strong, fit, intelligent, etc. So what happens to the men that aren't or the men that can't get laid, right? Well, what happens is, uh, obviously, it's a, it's a spectrum, right? Because before, okay, this is like 20 years ago, it was... It was called the top 20% rule. So the top 20% of men were considered for bedroom fun and 80% got nothing. But now as the years have gone on, it's actually reduced to top 5%. So it's like um, only the alphas are considered and nobody else. And when I say al- alphas, I mean the apex alphas because you're technically uh, an alpha male when you're top 20%. Um, so what do the bottom 80% of men do? Well, they they talk, right? They're like... This is obviously ridiculous. They use the internet as a medium to talk. They learn about 
women's true nature and how they've been lied to their whole lives about what women actually want, what women are actually interested in. And some men, in response to learning the truth, some men, they go, okay, so what that means is I need to become competitive and they work to become competitive and they become successful. Other men, they go the other direction. They go MG toe. They say, you know what? This is nuts. I don't want to compete. This is BS. It's totally unfair. Women are just going to torture me in marriage and relationships anyway. So I'm just going to walk away. And then there's men who know the truth, don't want to walk away because they want to get laid, but they're not willing to put in the work and what they do is complain. And those are the I cells, right? So if they put in the work, they could be competitive and could get laid, but instead they say, no, um, it's all based on jawline, it's all based on genetics, there's nothing I can do to affect the outcome of my success with girls and bedroom fun, um, life is unfair, You, uh, the world is BS, I'm just gonna like, and, and then, you know, it's just venting and complaints, right? So as you can see, there's many different ways. You can have a positive outlook on on not being in relationships. You know, like there's like guys on Taylor the Fiend's page, like in the commentary, they say happy wife, no uh, no wife, happy life, because no wife means no divorce, no child support, no losing your children, etc. Right? And there are guys that say, like, why is it that I'm so genetically unlucky as to have never gotten laid in my entire life? And then they say, despite trying, but maybe trying is them just talking to the girl they had a crush on. That's not enough, right? Just talking to the girl without having experience talking to girls, without being, um, you know, physically attractive uh, and having worked on yourself and being a competitive man, it's not going to work. And then the guys complain about this. Unfortunately, life is competitive. And that's that's just the truth. I think um, if you look at the... um, biological data, only 40% of men throughout all of human history have ever reproduced. So if that's the case, that only the top only 40% of men have ever reproduced, that means 60% of men have been basically eye cells looking at the overall data. So that's the truth. All right, let's continue. And also when I came to do my literature review, Uh, for the topic, I found that at the time, almost no studies included primary responses from incels themselves. All the studies were based on analyzing the online misogyny or the online rhetoric of incels. And uh, being quite familiar just in the online world of the incelosphere, I kind of had an inkling that a lot of what incels say online is deliberately antagonistic and just kind of performatively antagonistic, that they kind of say anything they feel will subvert the norm and will annoy people. And just, you, you know, they're, they're very steeped in dark gallows, humor, meme culture. And um, so, you know, it, 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 although analyzing the online misogyny is somewhat useful and um, I don't, I, I don't, I think you actually need to engage with the community one to one or directly. Uh, to- That's actually wise as well. Right. Because there is a difference between the memes that guys post and the, you know, crap posts or whatever you want to call them and the actual people themselves, right? There's a, there is a difference. So, absolutely. And that would be true of any community, right? Not just, not just the I-cell one. To form any kind of psychological opinion. I'm also interested in incels because uh, 
this demographic of young men, traditionally in evolutionary psychology, we have something called young male syndrome. And basically young male syndrome is the consistent cross-cultural, cross-historical finding that in any population, when you have a surplus population of unpartnered young men, of sexless young men, uh, they cause a lot of crime and they disrupt society a lot. This is okay. due to that they usually have like elevated status seeking behaviors and risk taking. Uh, so, wow, what a surprise. And before these elevated status seeking, risk taking men would be, you know, taken for war, right? They, they, they would go and do the, the king's, they, they take part in the king's war and they would, you know, fight the other men from the other countries that are also of the same age. And a lot of them would just die, right? Uh, and the churn would create winners, which then can come back and get laid. Like, it's very biologically driven, this this idea, right? And whether the goals of, you know, those kings at the time were legitimate or not, well, that's a story for another day. So it's actually quite dangerous. And uh, historically, there's been lots of kind of institutions developed to even deal with um, individual nations, surplus population of young men. So, for hmm. example, the Portuguese, uh, who Whoa. when they maybe went sailing to discover new worlds, uh, th- there are some theories that that was basically a, a device to cope with your surplus population of young men. You could just... I think it's not that way. I think it's the reverse. I think that they set up the institution... And because young men are more likely to be status-taking and risk-taking, young men were more likely to join those ships and go do those risky behaviors and more likely to die, of course, um, doing it. And the, the, you know, the benefit is you don't have to deal with it because they're somewhere else being someone else's problem, effectively. Send them off. On a mission and uh, Vikings would be another example. We, we tend to think of Vikings as perhaps a very sexy kind of rugged, maybe the Hollywood kind of Viking isn't probably really typical of what a Viking was like uh, in of reality. Course. They were oh. more likely your surplus population of unmarried wow. young men. Indeed. Yeah. There's a really cool article in the online magazine called uh, Unheard and um, by Mary Harrington. Uh, she wrote an article talking about how incels could become the new Vikings. So, you know, we have a good lot of reason to worry about this population, this kind of surplus population of unpartnered young men who are... Oh, here we go. We have reason to be worried. They're dangerous. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, I... This rhetoric I tend to disagree with, right? This, This idea of demonizing young men, right? Because all it does is hurt them, right? It doesn't... It has no positive benefit. All it does is tell young men, you're young men that are unpartnered, you're bad because of this, right? Like useless advice. So here, let me give you some useful advice. If you're a young man and you're unpartnered, understand this. First of all, it doesn't last forever because you as a man, you have to build your value, right? And if you're 18 competing with a 30, a 30-year-old 30 or a 35-year-old who's been working on himself from 18 to 35, you have no chance. He's basically been working on himself twice the length that you have. But what you have is you have time, you have length to maneuver, you can work on yourself and become a superior man. So what I would recommend to you young men out there that are unpartnered, instead of worrying about being unpartnered, I would recommend finding some kind of mission and working towards that. So for example, 
I want to be the American Ninja Warrior champion. And you're 18 and, you, you know, you're not even physically fit. And you work from 18 to 25 through rigorous training and you become actually physically fit, able to do this stuff. And then by the time you're 27, 28, you, you'll be competitive. Maybe not the winner, but you'll be good enough to be one of those guys. And then you'll see at 27, 28, you'll be like, where were these girls when I was 18? Well, when you were 18, you hadn't worked on being a ninja warrior for 10 years. You see what I'm saying? That's the idea. It's not that they're dangerous. What's dangerous is having men with nothing to do who are told they're valueless, garbage, dangerous, and bad. That's bad. Men have the power to become powerful, strong, capable, wise, but it takes years. So telling men they're dangerous is not the way to go. Tell them to find their mission, to work towards their mission, their goal, and understand the women come later. The only time they come early when you're 18 or whatever is when you're extremely genetically gifted, when you're lucky. But most men, they're not lucky. So that's fine. You just got to understand that what is actually required, they need to know the truth. That's the issue. Galvanizing around this idea and seem to have a lot of resentment but you would actually expect them to be a lot more destructive than they actually currently are being. Indeed. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier that 60 deaths worldwide, 10 of which can be attributed to one man alone, who may or may not even have been that very much linked to the incel movement. So the idea behind why they're not more destructive, uh, we maybe think that they might just have their status striving psychology mechanisms hijacked by online worlds. Pornography, mm. the forums, just oh, um, shit posting online. Yeah, so it- that you know, that works, and also uh, video games as well are a good like a bunch of guys. They just go and they become a Viking in a video game, and they're they're good because they get to be as destructive and uh, you know violent as they want to be, but online. So, and they actually they, actually uh, scientific studies have shown that men that play violent video games are not more likely to be violent. They're actually less likely to be violent. And I think that it's because they have a outlet for it. There's a lot going on with this community. I think they're... And I also think that the mainstream media narrative about incels is very insufficient. Agreed. And culturally, I think we kind of sneer at the incel problem of, of a little course. bit. Of course. Women do, especially. Because why? Well, women sneer at cells because they're weak in their mind. You are the loser men. You shouldn't even be alive, in their opinion, of course. I obviously disagree with this. I think that's total BS, that the girls only see Chad and don't see the value in actual, like, in in men, in general, as, as a concept, right? Like, they literally see only the top, let's say, 5%, and the rest are invisible. That I find to be greatly insulting. Uh, of of women towards men just in general that that concept right but that's just how it is right that's the difference between men and women right getting bedroom fun having reproductive access is not an easy thing for a man so that's just that's how life is sadly and uh, it's my opinion that the incel problem is just a symptom of what i would call a wider mating crisis that hurts everybody not just indeed and that crisis is called womanism and that crisis is called the bedroom fun revolution. Absolutely. 
that that crisis is called the destruction of the church and uh you know maybe not the church but the the underlying like reason why the church was made which is to make sure that a sort of mating happens and that women aren't just chasing chad um in order for society to be stable that is the the actual underlying problem first disenfranchised young men how large is this crisis like when i hear incel i kind of think of like a very very small part of the population i don't think of that as a lot of people and i hope it's not a lot of people because it is kind of sad and unfortunate uh so how many people are we talking about yeah women will never understand your problems like look like you heard when she said sad and unfortunate she sounds like a like a politician She's just paying lip service. She doesn't actually care. Look at Michaela's dating history. Who has she dated slash married? Do you think those guys are ICELs? Of course not. She's only been with winners or, you know, idiot winners. So guys that are, you know, tall, intelligent, strong, competitive, but also idiots about girls. They don't understand how women work, right? Almost certainly in Michaela's case. She's just paying lip service. That's called virtue signaling. Obviously, she doesn't agree with this. She's saying it for her audience. And it's 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 not even it's very transparent, right? Just listen to the tone in which she said it. About here, or what percentage of the population actually identifies in cells? So it really depends on uh, I sound a little bit like your father <laughs> Jordan Peterson there saying it depends on what you mean. Um, <laughs> Uh, it, it does depend on what you mean by incel. So uh, a smaller, significant minority of the population, but we're talking less than 100,000, I would say, I would estimate, um, and someone would probably correct me if I'm wrong there, would actually identify online uh, in the online subculture. But then if you define incel as, you know, just a, a man who's struggling to, to get sex, those are rising mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. Uh, men who are struggling to get bedroom fun in 2023... Are you ready for the sobering statistics? 95%. And even the men at the top struggle. Even the top 5%. So for example, okay, the top 5% of men, they will match with girls, let's say, every day, or, you know, the actual apex will match with, let's say, 10, 15 girls a day, okay? Which is like, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio, if he were to go on Tinder, maybe he would match with 1,000 girls a day. But that's, again... Let's let's just say like a, a male model who's not really known, but he's like very attractive. If he goes on Tinder, he'll match with, let's say, 15, 20 girls a day, okay? Average girl matches with like every single guy she swipes on, right? So she'll have like, let's say, 200, 300 matches a day. Now, of those 20 matches that male model gets, you'll still get flakes. You'll still get girls not show up to dates. You'll still get, um, if you have unattractive messages, they won't re- respond. You'll still get all that. Even if you're an apex man, you still get all that. It's not easy. So keep that in mind. It's very like, yeah, the numbers are sobering. And there's a figure that the share of US men younger than 30 reporting having no sex within the last year rose from 8% in 2008 to 28% in 2018. 28% is one in three men under the age of 30. Think about that. And of course, there's going to be guys that lie on these surveys, right? So the number is underreported. There's going to be guys that say, no, no, I've had bedroom fun in the last year and actually they, they hadn't, right? For sure, that number is underreported. But I'm telling you, 
there are guys, okay, that have never had bedroom fun ever right now when they're 25 years old, 27 years old, and maybe they never will. That's because the bedroom fun marketplace is getting more and more competitive by the day. Okay, uh, let's go to the Reddit post. Uh, Relationship advice posted eight hours ago. He's 29 and she's 33. No, sorry, other way. Oh, what? Okay, no. Uh, yeah. Wait, sorry. I, I did this wrong. Uh, I want to focus on... Um, I want to focus on... Okay, here, let's try this money one. This seems ridiculous. All right. My boyfriend, so they're both 24, refuses to marry or stay with me unless I agree to put everything into a joint account. I'm honestly at a bit of a loss regarding this situation. My boyfriend and I have been together around three years now, and marriage is now the natural next step. You see, because girls, they always want that progression. My boyfriend is obsessed with Dave Ramsey and uses financial advice for everything. And it's now encroached on our future marriage. He believes everything needs to be combined, and I'd like to have a separate savings specifically for myself. I told him that I was fine with the joint covering all our expenses and any amount budgeted, but I would like to keep some of my personal savings. It's honestly just the principle of having some privacy and keeping something of my own despite being married. He doesn't understand my desire to have something of my own. It says the sign I don't trust him. He doesn't want to be with someone who doesn't fully trust him. I know I have some trust issues, which plays a part of my desire to have something for myself, but he's completely unwilling to compromise. The only thing close was him agreeing to have a separate savings if he has a login. He's contextualized all his decisions around the idea that healthy couples should be able to communicate everything, and I should not need a separate account. He said we can have discretionary income for our private purchases, so I shouldn't need anything else. But I would really like to be able to put my own money aside if there's extra after the budget has been accounted for. I truly love him, but I'm not sure if this is a value I can give up. But I'd hate to see my relationship end because of this. I plan to go to therapy to work out my trust issues, but do you have any advice how to talk to my boyfriend? So again, what's the idea? I want something of mine to be separate, right? She wants to be married. She wants the benefits of marriage, but she doesn't want the costs. Top comment. You're a queen. You do what you want. That's my prediction. Let's see. Korea Banker here, Ramsey has some good points, but he's an ass and full of crap with, his, with a lot of his points. You should look into a yours, mine, ours system. Checks go into individual accounts. Bill money is transferred as agreed into a joint che- checking. Have joint savings for household things, but keep your own several savings as well. If he thinks you should be able to communicate, then you should be able to communicate with your money in your own account. That's how we do it, and our setup stems from years in banking for both of us. We've seen it all. Only the savings is fully joint for us, but he knows what I have, and I know what he has because we're open to talk about it. If your BF isn't open to talking about other options, don't give in. Why do you have to sacrifice your comfort for his demands? You see, why should she ever have to sacrifice her comfort? Like, women should never have to sacrifice anything. All right, we're going to end the video there. Hit the sub, hit all for notifications. Go to my Patreon, subscribe, patreon.com slash the Helios blog. Drop me a donation like Hunter M, Adrian R, and Tom M. Shout out to them. Just hit more underneath the video. The links are all there. Buy my books at bit.ly slash Helios books. Thank you for listening to my video all the way to the end. I really do appreciate it, guys. Take care of yourselves. And I'll see you next time.